now back to Heatwave Sports. Starting up our two wave sports as we continue our Major League Baseball week in review, getting you ready. Well, still six weeks to go, but Tom, the AL East is the division everybody's looking at. Obviously, Tampa Bay 71 47. They won seven of 10, lead the division by three over Boston at 69 and 51. And here come the Yankees 65 and 52. Tommy on a run since the trade deadline. How does this pan out here in the next few weeks? Well, look, I think we all see the writing on the wall. The Yankees claw their way back into this thing. You put them in any other division in baseball, like we, we said, you know, big, bad White Sox would only be three games up on them. Um, you, you know, you look at uh, the Houston Astros, it would only be about four games up on them or so. So you, you start to look at the Yankees in quite a different light. They have a three-game lead on your Atlanta Braves there, Tim, right? <laughs> um, New York is in a position where they are going to make the playoffs. There is a very good possibility they win this division. And this is just what we've looked at for quite some time. When I sat down and talked to Michael Kay and, and uh, I said, Yankees broadcaster, and Brian Hoku is Major League Baseball insider for the Yankees, I spoke to them back-to-back weeks. And this was before the trading deadline. We talked about Trevor Story. And both of them reiterated to me that everybody in the Yankee clubhouse was very excited about the spider tack rule. You know, well, even though Garrett Cole was first and foremost, and he, his face was out there, the hitters were pumped up about it because they believed that, the, you know, listen, our hitting is failing because of all the spider attack and what is going on. Well, we've seen that. Since that, those interviews I've put out there, the New York Yankees have the number two offense in all of baseball. The Yankees hitting has come around. Now, here's what you have to remember. The Yankees have gotten back into this thing. They're seven and three in the last ten games. They've crawled out from, from the, the doldrums of everything. They've done this without Gary Sanchez. They've done this without Glaber Torres. They've done this with DJ Lemayu barely hitting. Gio Ursela. They've done this without him. These guys are all injured or on COVID. Uh, Jordan Montgomery was pitching lights out. Jamison Tyon won Pitcher of the Month in July. Garrett Cole has been out because of COVID issues. Tim, all of a sudden, you start to look at this team and you go, okay, what is their big problems? Well, their big problems were hitting and bullpen. Well, I'm not overly concerned about the bullpen when they are back and healthy, right? When Chapman's back and healthy with his, his fingernail and the COVID issues, okay, Maybe Zach Britton isn't what we thought he was going to be. That's okay. But Chad Green is. Loisica, who's been out, was a major piece to their team. All of a sudden, he's coming back. You have to remember what the Yankees have coming back. What they have coming back are players that are, are were doing really well before they went down, and now they're coming back into this position. New York is in a spot where they get a lot of home games here. They're in a spot where they have a pretty favorable schedule. And the New York Yankees have the pitching, whether you realize it or not. Now, I'm not counting on Severino or Kluber coming back, but a 1-2-3 of Garrett Cole, Jordan Montgomery, and Jamison Tyon is a lot better than people think it is. Again, you're talking about Garrett Cole, who right now is still number two in the Cy Young odds in Vegas. Because why? Well, because Garrett Cole's having a phenomenal year. He's a true number one, even if he isn't the ace of aces. Number two, Jameson Tyon, best pitcher in July. 
best pitcher in July. You can't argue it. And Jordan Montgomery has been extremely solid for about six or seven weeks. So they have the starting pitching. The bullpen's coming back healthy. The offense is coming back healthy. And all of a sudden, you start to look at teams in front of them. The Boston Red Sox are a team that is massively flawed. I think we could all accept that and understand it. They were flawed. Their fan base knows they're flawed. Now they have pressure on them. And the Yankees, they're, they're looking dead in the eye. It's Tampa that you have to worry about. But it's also a Tampa team that is put together with uh, a lot of smoke and mirrors. Now, the Yankees have a little bit of a tough schedule here early on. This is kind of their time to really make their push. They get three against Boston when they're getting healthy. This kid, Luis Gill, Montgomery, and they're starting to get healthy. Then they get four against Minnesota, who they always beat up on at home. They do have a tough trip, Atlanta, Oakland, and the Angels. But then they get Baltimore at home, Toronto at home, the Mets who are reeling, Baltimore again, Cleveland at home, Texas at home, before finishing off Boston, Toronto, and Tampa. So I'm looking at the schedule and I'm going, okay, they're five and a half games back in the division now. Can you make up a game in the next week? Well, you got seven against Minnesota and Boston. I think they could shave off a game there, Tim, right? So four and a half or so. You go on that West Coast swing. Yeah, let's say you lose back a game. So you're five and a half going into September. Baltimore, Toronto, the Mets, Baltimore, Cleveland, Texas. You have that, okay, for a 20-game slate. I think that's where you see them make their major push until you get into the end of the season where it's Boston and Tampa. And by that point, if the New York Yankees crawl all the way back to where they were, not only is a wild card in sight, but I think a division's in sight. Now, I'm not going to be as bold to say they're going to win this division because I understand that Tampa is still a nemesis. Tampa has a nice five and a half games at this point in the season is a nice lead. But the Yankees are definitely going to leapfrog the Red Sox, who can't get out of their own way. And I just talked about the Oakland Athletics having the toughest schedule in all of the American League. I'm looking at New York and I'm going, yeah, they're a wild card team but there's an outside chance that they're actually going to win this division. Cool schedule to come back tomorrow for the Yanks. Chapman sometime this week, Tom, so you'll have both guns available for the Yankees there. What about Toronto? Two games behind the Yankees, quietly sitting there. Where does Toronto, is it just there's no pitching there for them to be able to sustain a run in September? How's the schedule look for the Blue Jays? Look, I, I'm, I'm afraid of the Blue Jays. I really am. I've been afraid of the Blue Jays a, a lot more than a team like Boston, who's you know a kind of just a joke. Toronto's dangerous. Toronto's dangerous, but they need their big boys to step up. You still have to believe in Robbie Ray, which I'm not sure I do. You still have to believe that Ryu is as good as he can be, which I'm not sure he is. You still have to believe in Barrios. You still have to believe that Manoa is going to be able to get those innings. But their schedule... It's a little bit back and forth, Tim. You know, you get you get your three against Detroit. Oh, that's pretty easy. Then you get four against the White Sox. Ouch. Okay. Then you get three against Detroit. Three more against Baltimore. Oh, that's pretty good. Then you get Oakland and the Yankees for seven. Ouch. Right? You get Baltimore for four. Tampa for three. Minnesota for three. Tampa for three. Minnesota for four. The Yankees for three. I mean, it's a back and forth for for Toronto here. I just don't think that they're going to have the pitching to sustain. Uh, as the year gets longer, you need to rely upon your bullpen more. Their bullpen is weak. Brad Hand has been a disaster there. Uh, they, they're just 
fighting an uphill battle. Do I think that they can pass a team that is just absolutely flailing all over the place like the Boston Red Sox? Yeah, I do. Uh, the Red Sox are almost as bad as the Mets right now. They can't get out of their own way. Uh, you know, injecting Chris Sale into that team, oh, well, that, that might look pretty cool. Uh, do you really believe in Chris Sale right now, Tim? You know, can you bank on Chris Sale? The Boston Red Sox have really been horrible. And just to give you an idea of how bad, since late July, so we'll say pretty much early August, they lost five in a row, won one against Detroit, lost three more in a row, okay, won one against Toronto in extra innings, lost two more in a row, split with Tampa, oh, wow, they just beat up on Baltimore for three, and you think everything's okay? You know, that's the problem with the Red Sox and, and where you look at them. They are getting hammered recently. So you go back, you go back to, you know, July 29th. Go back to since July 29th, they're talking about, oh, give me one second here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, oh, eleven. They are, yeah, they're five and eleven, Tim. Mm-hmm. And five, three of those wins just came against Baltimore. You, you know, no offense to your Baltimore, but come on. The other two, uh, you know, two of those wins in that time frame came in a doubleheader. You know, so you, you just look at the, the Red Sox and they're reeling. I have zero fear that the Yankees will pass them. And if you're Toronto, you, you might be able to catch Boston because they are in a bad way right now. Yeah, we had said the East probably would have three teams in the playoffs, but it wouldn't be Boston, Tampa, and Yankees. It could be Toronto, Tampa, Yankees. So keep an eye on that in the East and and quick. I have I have the division going. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Tampa, Tim. I'm gonna say Tampa wins. I, I would love to say that the Yankees overtake them, but I, I think five and a half games this late in the season a little bit tough. I think the Tampa wins this division by a game or two. I think Toronto leapfrogs Boston, uh, but Toronto probably misses that wild card by a game or so. Okay. Quickly. Uh... Just your thoughts on, on the Field of Dreams game Thursday night. Uh, A-plus. Uh, I would give it about five A-pluses, but I had a couple of small little problems. But as A-plus as it could possibly be. Nobody's saying that Manfred knows what he's doing, but this is the win that the New York uh, – I'm sorry, that the, uh, that the baseball world needed, and New York and Chicago produced it. Um, it was – Everything that was right. It was nostalgic. It brought us back to a better time. It made baseball look in a good light. It was big markets between New York and Chicago. It was good teams playing good baseball at the time with New York and Chicago. It was a good game, a great game, I should say, that wound up actually living up to the billing. Um, It was everything that baseball should be and baseball should be bringing it back. I just wrote an article for the paper that I write for here in New York and you know, it's coming out uh, tomorrow morning because it, it, it's just so poetically perfect that baseball did this. Well, every other sport is always looking to the future and next gen this and let's go that and let's get all of that. Baseball wants to look to the past. I thought it was beautiful to watch the ball be, be hit into the cornfield. And it was a little, haha, pardon my pun, a little corny at Times, but I didn't care. I wanted that corniness. I wanted the nostalgia. I loved the the manual scoreboards. I loved the idea that the there was wood on the on the outfield walls and the walls behind. I loved it all. 
to me, they should turn around and they should have the All-Star game here every year. I think that would be a great idea. Bring them to Iowa, give me the All-Star game there every year. Um, it is a perfect idea for Major League Baseball to embrace this. And I know the negatives that people threw out. Well, it's not even the real field. Major League Baseball built the field there and it's a money grab. But I don't care. I enjoyed it as a fan. I made sure my son sat down and watched the game with me because it was a cool game visually to watch. We're always so worried about getting the, the new fan, right? And we got to give him the new stuff. Well, what makes baseball beautiful is the old stuff. So why not give them some of the old stuff? The only reason, you know, that, that, that there's, there's two, and this is how picky and terrible my brain goes, right? The only thing that made it not a 100% win, three things, Tim. Number one, did I need to see the gross, disgusting, squish Nike symbol on, on the jerseys? Like, you have throwback jerseys. you got to throw that disgusting symbol on them? No. That was stupid. You shouldn't have had walk-up music either. Right? Give me the organ, man. Yeah, I don't need to hear, you know, wh whoever. I, I don't even know somebody's no name that's normal. I don't need to hear WAP, you know, being played when these guys are walking up there and it's supposed to be in the cornfields, right? Give me something... Uh, you know, Oregon, old, nostalgic. That would have been a cool touch. And I did find it a little off-putting, Tim, the fact that we're celebrating a movie that is about a guy, a legendary baseball figure that was thrown out of the sport for cheating, allegedly, being brought to you and broadcast and the pregame done by two of the biggest cheaters and the two biggest cheaters in the history of baseball in A-Rod and David Ortiz. Multiple-time cheaters, thrown out of the league, one of them. I mean, it was a little off-putting to see baseball embrace the cheaters in Ortiz and A-Rod and then go, and go. okay, now let's talk about Shoeless Joe. But you did get your, <clears throat> your movie ending in this game, and they've already announced that they'll be back next year, Tom, for a game in 2022. Looks like the Cubs will be one of the teams in that one, though. Cubs-Yankees, how about that? Yeah, listen, that would be cool. I, I think it's going to – I thought it was going to be Cardinals-Cubs, which, mm -hmm. you know, would have made a lot of sense. Uh, I know everybody wants the Reds in there because the Reds being, you know, the oldest franchise and, and everything. you got you got to think that Boston should be a part of it eventually. They're going to try to get everybody there. I'm thinking that it should become more than just that one day. You know, it should be more. It should be more special. Why not? Look, with the complete debacle that Major League Baseball had this year with the All-Star game, that horrible decision, you know, uh, to, to just absolutely steal money away from the minorities of Atlanta and the minority businesses for a disgusting lie. Uh, and that's all it was, was it was a disgusting political lie for people that don't have a brain. Why not fix that mistake and say, you know what, forget about it. No more All-Star games. We're going to do it all in Iowa. Uh, you're even if it only lasts 10 years and the, the allure wears off, you're telling me that these guys wouldn't all love to play there? Oh, no, it, it's, it's something that they need to just continue now. It's such a, it was such a hit, Tom, that there's no way that they don't. And they said, they were saying, so what is going to be the next field, Tim? And everyone, you know had their opinion on a sandlot or whatever. I said Hackensack. I want to, I want to go Monty Brewer. Yes. Remember that? <laughs> With a train in the background, right? Yeah. Mon Mon Monty Brewster. Got to get the train in the background. Got to, got to get a catcher with a big, you know, catcher's mask gold plated right behind plate. 
Not many people know that movie, Tom. That's that's a good one, actually. Brewster's Millions. <laughs> that's where I'm going with it. <laughs> All right, let's start the uh, football previews before we take our time out. Let's let's move to the Conference USA, Tom, as we're chipping away here at the college football previews with kickoff slated for Saturday, August the 28th. Uh, still have not seen a, a UNLV line in their first game, Tom, have you? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's because they don't know what to put the line. Does on. it matter? <laughs> no, we're, we're taking Eastern Washington. That's what we're doing. So yeah, I am. I'm, if I see a plus next to it, Tim, I might be flying out that night. <laughs> All right, Conference USA. Let's start in the East. What do you think? By by the way, I, I, not to yeah. not to jump off. So what what do you think? What, what do you think that line's going to be? You can't make you another yeah. favorite, can you? I mean, I know they're at home. I guess they're going to. I think they will just because. It, you know what? They know UNLV money's coming in. How much can you make it? You can't make it at more than a field goal, right? You're not going to give me a field goal, are you? No. I, I say minus two, two, one and one, two, close to a pick 'em, and people will jump all over UNLV. Oh yeah, yes. You know what? It, you know what it'll be, Tim? It'll be like UNLV minus like two and a half, but plus one twenty on the money line. <laughs> <laughs> You know how they'll do me like that. Come on. With, with the way the public is out here, if you made UNLV minus four, they'd bet them. So it's, it's yes, you know. All right. Conference USA will start in the east. There's an east and a west in this in this conference. And how we've been doing these, Tom, as you know, we, we kind of bring up the rear first or who we feel will be at the bottom of the conference. So anything about Old Dominion, Florida International, Middle Tennessee, or Charlotte that looks – uh, something that we can we can uh, maybe use as an advantage to us if we're betting on this. Any surprises out of those four teams, or do you think that brings up the rear of the East? No, I mean, look, it, it, Old Dominion had some talent at a time. They didn't play last year because of COVID, um, so we don't really have any idea what we're doing with that. FIU always has some talent, right? Um, uh, but, look, they, they didn't do good last year, again, COVID disrupted this pretty bad. They only played five games. I don't know what we're getting from these kind of teams. You know, Middle Tennessee is another team that you look at and you go, they had four consecutive years of poll appearances, um, but then they just hit a wall the last two seasons, seven and 14 the last two years. They, they need they need a lot of a lot of offense, and they, they're not going to get it all of a sudden. So, no, not too much. Just understand, COVID just – you know, the decisions, it's not even COVID because I don't want to say COVID ran crazy when nobody had it there. Um, the decisions to shut down the Conference USA for uh, the COVID really destroyed some of the, of this conference. So it's going to be very di- – this is one of the more difficult conferences to kind of gauge because they didn't play many games. And I think we put Western Kentucky in that, that group as well, correct? Yeah, yeah. You, could, you know what? You could even put Charlotte there as well. So that leaves us with the two teams in the East, Florida Atlantic and Marshall, the Owls of Florida Atlantic, Tom behind Willie Taggart, former FSU coach. So disappointing last year, they're 5-1 and one at one point, then down the stretch just obliterated at Georgia Southern, at Southern Miss, and Memphis knocked them out. They finished 5-4. and four. They return everything, though, Tom. If, if, if you think that maybe they just had a bad run there in the, in the last three games of the year, they bring it all back. Eleven on the offensive side, ten on the defensive side. I, I'd have to think they're going to be better, but you know that's the last thing that we've seen, right, Tom? Is that they they failed, they faded badly down the stretch. I know that they will be bringing in a new quarterback and offensive coordinator, so maybe that helps them out a little bit. 
I like this defense. Uh, finished second in the Conference USA in scoring defense, which I, I, I liked a lot. You said it. They're bringing everybody back. Uh, you know, they, uh, they, they, they got to start scoring a little bit here. Now, I know, look, Willie Taggart's his whole his whole thing is that he's going to be a good recruiter. He's from Florida. Florida Atlantic should be a good recruiting spot. And he went into the transfer portal, which is changing the game. And you know what? Look, they really have some playmakers now. Florida Atlantic is a team that is opening up my eyes because their defense is fantastic. They went out. They got some playmakers. They got some guys that can catch the ball. If they can get anything from their offense, Tim, anything from their offense, uh, this team could be a threat. And Lee's Marshall, the Thundering Herd, new head coach. They return their, their starting quarterback in Grant Wells, but new running back, mostly top receiver gone as well. But they do bring back core-wise, nine offensive, eight defensive. Again, another team, 7-0 and last year, one point loss their last three games to finish the season. It's going to come down to the schedules here, Tom. Do you think Marshall is that much and advantage-wise over Florida Atlantic, or is this going to be the matchup that we're looking for November the 6th at Florida Atlantic for the right to win this division? Tim, I'm taking Florida Atlantic here, and here's why. Look, while Marshall was very good, okay, they were very good. Their defense was phenomenal. I loved unders last year. They held uh, teams to less than two touchdowns a game. They have a new head coach, and you can talk about bringing back the quarterback, right? Oh, well, that's great. He looked bad at the end of the year, though, right? I mean, at the end of the season— his last, what, three, four games, he didn't look very good. So you're bringing back a guy that failed at the end. Now he's got a new offensive coordinator. Now he's got a new uh, head coach. That's a problem. Oh, by the way, they lost Beckett and Hodge, which were their two best starters on defense. So a defense that was great loses two starters. They lose their head coach. They lose all their coordinators. They have a quarterback that, while he is a very good player, also had a bad ending to the year. I'm taking Florida Atlantic here. I think that um, it's enough of a value that it's kind of a coin flip conference. They get them at home. I love the opportunity to get this team at home. So I'm taking Florida Atlantic. I like them too. I have one in the East as well. I know that they've circled November 6th, Tom, at home against Marshall last year. These two teams met, I would say early in the year, but COVID messed it up. It, it was a game played late October on the road at Marshall. They lost that game and lost the division by a game. So I think that game is circled. They want revenge. And I think they get it, and they, I think they win the division as well. So we both like Florida Atlantic in the east. We'll move to the west. Uh, UTEP, Rice, North Texas, anything with those three bottom dwellers? Uh, UTEP has got a nice little offense going on, but they're, they're not enough on defense. Uh, you look at you know Rice, and uh, Rice, you're going to be better in the next couple of years. This isn't your year. Can I say that? I like what they're doing there, you know, um, but, but no. The Mean Green were a team that I was making a lot of money on for a couple of years there, and then all of a sudden last year, well, here we go. They could score, 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 uh, but <laughs> you also need a defensive unit. They allowed 43 points a game, Tim, seven yards per play last year. Uh, it's just you can't go near North Texas with that kind of defense, even if you improve it slightly. Let's say like, marginally, you know, let's say you move it to 30 points a game. It's still a bad defense. Get Southern Miss and Louisiana Tech right there in the middle of this division. Kind of five, I look at them as kind of 500 type teams, right, Tom? Six and six-ish. And uh, again, the experts raving about both teams returning nine and ten starters. But, Tom, both teams gave up around 34 points a game. So how you read things sometimes is very important. 
when you're trying to, to do your research on these teams. You can't really be happy saying I returned 10 starters to a team that gave up 35 points a game. Tim, Southern Miss doesn't have a quarterback. Let's just be honest. They, they don't have a quarterback. And, and, you know, you look at Louisiana Tech, their quarterback is coming back from a major leg injury the last time we saw him, right? So you, one doesn't have a quarterback. The other one has a quarterback trying to return from an injury. I'm not going near either one of these teams. Next up, I know a team you do like, right? Texas San Antonio, the Roadrunners, a team that, by the way, they have UNLV on the schedule October the 2nd at home. Think about that. Um, Tom, they gave BYU a hell of a game last year on the road. They're they're a fun team to watch. Sincere McCormick obviously recognizes one of the top running backs in the nation. And they're just a fun team to watch. They're going to put up about 30 a game. And they have a great offensive line. You know me, I love offensive lines. Their offensive line, probably the best in the conference. Um, They are very good pass blockers, very good run blockers. They are just a really good team. They they can run this. Look, McCormick is fantastic. They're going to run the ball, but it's all about Harris. Can he step up? I like this team, and I, I think that people are underrating them. And then there's UAB, six and three last year, a, a team that again we're talking about bringing back the bulk of the defense. Now this team only gave up 20 points a game last year, Tom. So quite the difference than a, a Southern Miss or Louisiana Tech giving up 35 and returning nine starters. Now they will, at the, in the quarterback situation, it's between Johnston and Lucero. Lucero played the most steps last year. Johnston, the veteran, though senior, it's a it's a two team race, right? And this one as well. UAB or Texas San Antonio? You know, I like Texas San Antonio, Tim, but it, this is just about you know the best defense that you're going to get. And their line is, defensive line is going to be going up against the Texas San Antonio offensive line. That's a fun battle, man. It is a fun battle. But overall, look, I, I just think UAB is head and shoulders the best team in this conference. I think that they, it's nice what Texas San Antonio is doing, but at the end of the day, UAB is just a better team. Tom, these two teams will play November the 20th, so last uh, next to last week of the season, the game is in, or on the road. UAB will have to go on the road and take on the Roadrunners. Yeah, look, it doesn't matter. It, it just doesn't. I just think that they are the best in this conference, and you look at their concerns. You know, we just talked about quarterback. We talked about head coach. We talk, Their concerns basically are how are their wide receivers? Tim, that's that's not a concern to me. You know, you know how I completely devalue wide receivers just at any at the NFL level. So forget about the college level, right? You could find guys that catch going to catch the ball. If your con- biggest concern of your team is wide receivers, then I like you, and that's exactly what it is. They're set at quarterback, they're set at coach, they're set at defensive line, offensive line, they're set a decent secondary, they're set everywhere. My only concern is, well, can they catch the ball? And I'm going, yeah, yeah, they can. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with UTSA to snap UAB's three-year reign atop of that division. I like the Roadrunners a lot, and I have Roadrunners Owls in the championship game. Tom, give me give me Florida Atlantic to win the conference USA over Texas San Antonio. You know I think Florida Atlantic is going to be there, Tim, but I can't go pick them over UAB. The slight concerns that I have. With, with uh, you know the transfer portal, the guys working with the, their new head coach and everything else keeps me just that far off, and I got to give it to UAB. 
And we're just going to stay with it, Tom, and, and move into the Big 12 to end the show. Spend a little more time on these teams since it's the bigger conferences. The Big 12, which has 10 teams, it's our running joke every year. And we'll start at the bottom, the Kansas Jayhawks, Tom. I, I don't know <laughs> if there is a worse football program in, in the history of the NCAA. Another new coach in Kansas, Tommy. A situation where offensively, uh, I, the quarterback is it's, it's a different situation there. Running back is brand new. They do return most of their defense, but they gave up 46 points a game last year. They are just awful. They had a nice zero wins last year, Tom. What do we set the win total for Kansas? Do they get one? No, they don't. This is this will be uh, a zero. You know, and I I actually you know I bet this at one and a half. And I took the under. I I they, they it was out there. One and a half was out there. Um, and I took the under because they are just going to get annihilated here, Tim. Um, you know, you, you had one with the over of like 140. I got the one and a half. I, I loved it. So you look at their schedule, right? I, and I mean, look, no one's looking at Kansas, but why can't I make money on Kansas? Their schedule is just a joke. <clears throat> they, they actually have a, a, a tough time. I can't find a win. Can you find that win, Tim? You know, people are going to sit back and they're going to go, you know, maybe South Dakota. Do you know how good South Dakota is? Coastal Carolina. I told you I have Coastal Carolina winning every game this year. Baylor at Duke at Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas, TCU, West Virginia. They're not winning a game in, in conference, Tim. Then There's no chance they're winning a game here. None. Not in conference. Their home games are Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Kansas State, West Virginia. They're not winning a home game. And then they're certainly not going on the road and winning. They're not winning at Coastal Carolina. That's ridiculous. So South Dakota is your only chance. And if you, you want to bet the under the one, you'll push. South Dakota is a push kind of game. Give me the under. I like Kansas. I like this game a lot. where Or this team a lot. Because I like to bet against them. Yeah, I see zero as well. Um, what, what do you, you know, it's, when you're a doormat like this year after year after year, it's so hard to, to get out of that situation. And, and for a school that predominantly, like the basketball situation there, it's you know, night and day. How do you get, how do you get back? You know, the team that plays in the same state doesn't have problems. How do you get this bad? It, it's a basketball school. I mean, honestly, it really is, right? I mean, isn't that just the reality of it? It's a basketball school. They cannot recruit. They don't care to. If you're in the Big 12, you know, this is where the, the lower teams in these big conferences just get squashed. Because if you have anybody that's any worth anything, why are you not looking at the other, you know, 10 teams in there <laughs> instead of Kansas? So that's not even people going outside of your conference. Just in your conference, the recruiting is horrendous. The, the fan base is not exactly very good. This is a, a, a bad situation. What they need to do is they need to get a, a program builder. They need to go get someone that knows how to build a program with very little you know, funding, with very little uh, expertise, somebody that knows how to build a Division three program kind of guy. Bring someone like that, and they keep going for these big splash names. And it's just not working out. Let's move to Lubbock to talk about Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, Tom. Matt Wells coming into this job. He, it's not really panned out the way that Red Raider fans had thought it would be. Sonny Cumbie returns to run the offense. 
and they were able to grab Tyler Shuff from Oregon, where he won a Pac-12 title to be the quarterback. Problems with the Red Raiders and Matt Wells. Matt Wells, you know, Tom, coming out of Iowa State, a lot of promise. A lot of, you know, there were NFL teams looking at him as well. He just has run into some issues here at Texas Tech. Can he improve on four wins last year? You know, possibly. I mean, that's that's what I'm looking at with this team. I, I think that they're going to be a bad team. Um, I, I don't see this team being somebody that is, you know, we're used to the Texas Tech teams that are flinging it all over the all over the field, and oh, here we go. It's not a team that I'm looking at as taking that big jump. You know, um, you look, you talk to me about Matt Wells, and, and that's great. And you got, you know, guys coming in. The quarterback has been, okay, look, the quarterback play has never been a problem, right? That's kind of not their issue. Their issue is sort of their defense. I don't see anything defensively that all of a sudden this Texas Tech team is going to be all of a sudden great. The season win total is set at seven, right? I mean, it's set at seven. You, you can think about them taking the step up here, but what does that step up to, right? I mean, what does that step up to? I think that they are a solid team, and that's about it. They are solid, and that's that's all you can say about this team going. You're in a, a conference that you can win if you know if you just beat up on the smaller teams, but you're one of the smaller teams. Matt Rule, who we know has gone on to – better success right Tommy I think he picked the great time to leave Baylor a couple years ago had him in a bowl game had a good quarterback got out living life in the NFL and they that program has fallen apart since he left and now Charlie Brewer gone under center this team last year opened the season scoring 47 against Kansas Tom they didn't win another game for two months for knocking off K-State in a surprise game or else they would have lost every other game the rest of the way out just two wins last year and definitely, I, I know we don't talk about colleges per se rebuilding, but that's essentially what Baylor's doing right now. Yeah, they're rebuilding. That they have some decent players here, though. You know, I like that they picked up this, uh, you know, a couple of LSU transfer guy, uh, Ika, who will help that defensive front. You look at the defensive front, and that's kind of what has to lead them here, right? They do have a decent schedule, which is nice, and a lot of home teams there, so they got a schedule break a little bit. Do I think they go to a bowl game? Maybe, maybe, and that's how I feel about them. You know, that they're, they're that maybe team. If they get one game with them, maybe they're not supposed to win. They get to the bowl game, but I think they're teetering on a bowl game. Got them right around five, six wins. So you're that's right about what you said. Yeah. Next up, Kansas State. Uh, look, this is not the Bill Snyder era anymore. But could they get to six or seven wins? It's possible, I guess. You have a just a stud in the backfield and Deuce Vaughn, Tommy. He's a, he's a he can run it and he can catch it. Thousand yards total combined yardage, nine touchdowns last year. The quarterback is back as well, Skylar Thompson and Will Howard. Excuse me, Skylar Thompson, the senior now, will be will be that guy. Howard, the backup. I, I think K State's quietly right there as well. I think they're in a bowl game, but they're about middle of the road in the conference when you look at it. Yeah, look, the Skylar Thompson has thirty starts under his belt. Vaughn is fantastic. These guys stay healthy. They're going to be just fine. Um, five and a half is the win total. That they, 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 I mean, they could they could win seven eight games if they don't drop that game that they always seem to drop. That Kansas State always seems to lose a game that they're not supposed to, and then they've beaten Oklahoma two years in a row, which is ridiculous, right? So, yeah, I like this team. I think that they easily go over the five and a half. 
I, I don't want to say the eight wins, but I think they can get to seven. Next up, the Mountaineers of West Virginia. I like I like West Virginia, Tom. I, you know, six wins last year. They they were put. You know, they won some close games early, and then they were able to. At the end of the year, I think they looked good in the loss against Texas. They buried TCU. They got embarrassed at Iowa State, and then a, a nice win over Army to end the year. But really, when you talk about being able to to bring back players, eight on the offense, and that's at all key positions. Doe's the quarterback. Brown the running back. And then the receivers, they had three-headed monster and Wright, James, and Brown. They're all back. They're going to be able to score some points. Does it get them into a bowl game? Yes. Does it get them into the mix for the Big 12 title? Probably not, Tom. But a top-five finish definitely there for West Virginia. You know, West Virginia is a team that I'm I'm looking at. I feel like I do the same thing every year. I'm sitting here, and I'm going, okay, you know, it's going to be a good year for them. And you get you talk to a West Virginia fan, they're like, oh, you think we could, we could compete? Like, no, not really. I mean, you know, you're right. Your win mark is set at six and a half. I think he could win six, seven games, which is is competing. Um, you know, your head coach is in his third season. All right, uh, you know, so you should take that next step up. But are you that kind of team to really compete for the Big Twelve? No, you're not. You know, you can beat Kansas State. Yeah, maybe. Can you go out there and beat Virginia Tech, who you have in Week Three? I don't. I don't think so. So. They're that team, uh, a solid year. If things go right, they'll get you the, over the seven, but I don't even want to go crazy going over that seven, uh, that six and a half. I think they're a six or a seven win team. Oklahoma State last year, eight and three, Tom. I got a slight regression this year, and it's because of certain factors of being, look, the schedule, right? You love the schedule at Boise, at Texas, at Iowa State, at West Virginia. Yes, they play Oklahoma at the end of the year at home, but it may be too late for them at that point. And offensively, most of the guys are gone. They only returned five, and half the offensive line is gone as well. So you're going to have to fill in there and hope that this team gels together. I think eight last year was nice. I got them a shade back, and I pushed West Virginia past them. So I still have them in the top five. I got them right there at five, six, though. Tim, and I know that the offensive line was bad last year. I know Tevin Jenkins was great, but outside of Tevin Jenkins, the, the line was bad, so they should get better. But I, I still don't like what I see in Spencer Sanders. You know, he's not somebody – you had Wallace, you had Hubbard, and you still couldn't do much for my taste. Like you said, the, the schedule is brutal, absolutely brutal. I like the coach, sure, but I don't like the quarterback. I don't like the schedule. I can't do much here. TCU, six wins last year. Gary Patterson starts, Tommy, year 21 with the Horned Frogs. I like them this year. I, I, I think they bounce back. I got them at eight wins. I, I know that we've always thought of the, the TCU quarterbacks, right, that have come through there and running that offense for Gary Patterson. So it's not a surprise to me to be able to see them score points. 30 last year, I got them right there again in the mix. Give me give me eight or nine wins for the Horned Frogs this season. Tim, they don't have to play Iowa State, right? Oklahoma, Texas, or Okie State back-to-back, right? You you got an easier schedule than you think. You look at the coach, like you said, rock-solid coach. There's season win total set at 7.5. This is the team that I think could take that step up. I'm kind of feeling them a little bit this year. They have a lot of talent. Now the question, especially offensively, they got big plates out. Effectively, it is can Dugan kind of get them to that next level? Can he bring their talent out? I, I am very optimistic about this team. 
And then I saw the seven and a half number, and I even started eight in some spots. I'm going, man. I and now with you with what you're saying, I'm thinking everyone's kind of optimistic with them, which makes me a little leery about making a bet. But I do think that TCU is going to open up some eyes, especially offensively this year. I think that this could be one of those uh, over teams. You just watch them go over week after week after week until people start to adjust. Yeah, the, the advantage for TCU, and you broke down baseball schedules for us earlier, their last quarter of the year, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Iowa State, the problem is, so you get your two wins at home. They play at Oklahoma State and at Iowa State. That could potentially keep them out from contending in that shot at the Big 12 championship. And they do return 18 starters, 10 on offense. You know, that's the, the most in the entire Big 12, right? So, uh, you know, oh, by the way, great. I, I love these betting facts, right? You like Gary Patterson, right? 20 seasons, yeah. 121 and 121 against the spread. <laughs> Flip a coin. Yeah, a coin, there you Tom. go. Yeah. Next three teams to be fun to, to break these down. We'll start with Texas Tom, Steve Sarkeesian taking over the reins there for the Texas Longhorns. They finished with seven wins last year. Sam Ellinger gone. He's in Indianapolis with the Colts. What do you look at with Texas? Just, I think every year people expect so much from Texas and they're disappointed. Tom Herman just, it didn't transfer over from Houston to Texas for Tom Herman. And now you get Steve Sarkeesian. Tim, here's the thing. What do you believe with Texas here? Because you said it. Look, Ellinger's gone. Oh, that's cool. Because they return every other starter from the Alamo Bowl game. That's impressive, Tim. Right? So they lost their biggest, the best player, but they return every other starter. They also have a new head coach, offense coordinator, defense coordinator, special teams coach, right? Including the quarterback. But last year, they lost three games. All three of their losses by one possession. They were in every game. This is a, a, I think that they are, in the entire country, one of the two or three most intriguing, intriguing teams out there. Because they are, they are the perennial losers right now. They constantly come up short. They have a tough schedule. New coaches, it takes some time usually. New offensive coordinator, new quarterback, it takes some time. But Tim, every other player from their bowl game is returning. Every other player, that that's, I mean, that is impressive in itself. I think that you set the number at eight wins. I think you got to go over here for Texas, uh, although I, I find myself kind of landing right on the eight wins. B. John Robinson, Tom, that's the guy to watch this year. He averaged 8.2 yards a carry, and it wasn't that he had 12 carries. He ran the ball 86 times for 700 yards, so a steady diet of him, I think. It's just It's just hard to know. Right, Tom, you said it. New coach, new, new coaching staff. The players are all there. How will the quarterback adjust? Is it, is it Casey Thompson, most likely, the, the junior? It's just it's just hard to say what they're going to do. I, I know Sarkeesian, just like you do, you know he's going to try to put points on the board. He's going to go try to throw. Uh, he needs a quarterback to do it, though. You know, yeah. you have to have the faith in that quarterback, not just have the quarterback. You have to have the faith in that quarterback. And, Right now, when you're looking at this, I, I don't know. I don't know if I have the faith in that quarterback. So the last two teams, most people have these two battling it out for the championship, as do I. Iowa State, Tom, nine wins last year. Matt Campbell, look, look what this guy's done here. He, he's on to bigger and better things very soon, I believe, and he won't be with the Cyclones. But in the meantime, he's got his shot right now, right, Tom? If he's going to do it and knock Oklahoma out of that perch, 
it's the chance to do it right now. Ten back on the offense, nine back on the defense. Brock Purdy, a Big 12 all-star at the quarterback position. The Brees Hall back as well, 1,500 yards, 21 touchdowns. All his receivers are back. If they're going to do it. They're going to do it this year. I'm fading. I'm fading them. I, look, I, I don't I don't love it, okay? Uh, I don't love it because it's nine and a half or ten wins. People are putting them to win this on the back of Brock Purdy. I, you know, I, I didn't see it for them. Look, their defense is phenomenal. I think they're replacing one player on defense, right? Um, but their offense just doesn't do it for me. You can beat up on some lower teams, sure, but push comes to shove, Brock Purdy isn't the guy for me, right? He's not consistent. He's had some good sparks. But he's not consistent. They also do terrible in the month of September. Going back to 2017, they've lost at least one of the first two games of the season. They haven't beaten Iowa since 2014. Uh, Campbell is 7-11 in September, straight up. They, they don't win early. They get better as the season goes on. So you're hoping that all these trends change. If you're going on Iowa State to win this, right, you're hoping all this change. You're hoping Brock Party finally gives you consistency, that Campbell finally starts to win in September. That they don't lose one of their first couple of games in September. That they don't. That they eventually beat Iowa, who they don't beat. Tim, it's you're asking a ton of kind of just trends to go the the other way. And these aren't betting trends, guys. These are trends of team nature. To me, it's too big of a road to climb. I I understand people are really high on them. I've seen them. What is it, the preseason ranked number five yeah. in the country? You know, I, I think it, the, the love of Iowa State has gotten a little carried away here. I liked them the last couple of years because they were maybe a top 15 team or so. All of a sudden, people are putting them at the top five, and we're talking about Brock Purdy? Uh, yeah, not me, man. I am fading this team. What kept me off them, Tom, and it wasn't that I didn't think Oklahoma was going to win the Big 12. I have Oklahoma, but you, you mentioned September. Their September this year is, is going to be November. Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, TCU, and they're at Oklahoma. That's where the bottom falls out for, for Iowa State for me. Yeah, look, Iowa State is going to have a stumble, maybe two, because Purdy's not the guy. Campbell knows uh, how to win football games, but he also has the adversity that, look, he, he doesn't jump out early, right? I mean, this is what he doesn't do. you got to get that head of steam going into some of these games, and he just doesn't do it. And we go to Norman. That leaves Oklahoma. My pick to win the division, win the conference. Lincoln Riley, forty-five and eight in his four years since taking over for Bob Stoops. Um, look, twenty-eight and twenty-four against the spread, Tim. Yeah, a little better than a coin flip, but yeah, you're right. They they underachieved in some some aspects. Nine wins last year. Two bad losses early in the year, including to Iowa State. But I, I don't think that happens this year, Tom. I, I'm looking. One one loss, undefeated season, and, and I'll, I'll say it now, Spencer Rattler wins the Heisman Trophy for me. Wow. Okay, I'm going the other way here. I'm going to tell you that the defense is what I'm looking at. I think Oklahoma finally has a defense. He's concentrated, has Lincoln Riley, on let's get defense better. They allowed 21 points per game last season. That's the best since 2015. They're returning eight defensive starters. I think it's all about the defense. I know everybody loves Rattler. He completed 68% of his passes, right? Um, he doesn't get touched. He was he, he, Even though he's pressured all day long, he doesn't seem to go down. This Oklahoma team, to me, Rattler will be fine. I don't see him winning the Heisman. I'm certainly not putting my money on it. I know he's the favorite. I don't see him winning the Heisman because he won't have to, Tim. 
he's mm-hmm. not going to have to put up these high-popping numbers because the defense is going to be shut down. I am all about Oklahoma this year in this division, in this conference, and I think they win it pretty handedly. Um, and I, I do believe that, yeah, Rattler will be fine, but I think we're going to be very, very shocked. 21 points per game last year, I think they go under that. I think they, they're in the teens this year. That's how good I think their D is. Offense scored 43 points a game. They won their last eight, including a, just a crushing of Florida in the Cotton Bowl. Rattler, 28 touchdowns last year. Tommy goes for 35 this year. Marvin Mims steps up into the next level of receivers for Oklahoma we've seen over the years. I, I love the defense, too. I love everything about him, and I know we haven't gotten to our, our playoff situa- situation there, but I have Oklahoma in the mix. Well, I'll tell you what, listen, Tim, I'm not going to be here next two weekends, right? So I, I think I can give the cat out of the bag for myself, can I? Absolutely. I got Oklahoma winning it all this year. It's about okay. that time. You know, you get to that point where it's about that time for Lincoln Riley to kind of hoist that trophy. Um, you know, I expect Alabama to be good again, but they're replacing a lot, a lot of players on that team. I expect Clemson to be right in that mix, and I do like their new quarterback. Uh, well, I'm not going to try to butcher his name right now. Okay, um, I expect Clemson to be right there, right in the mix. But they, you know, look, you lose a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence, uh, not to mention ETN. You have to take some kind of step back, and that step back will be, yeah, you'll make the playoffs, but not quite there. So, who's the team to go? I think it's Oklahoma. I think it's on the back of their defense. You said it. They got a quarterback. They got a defense, and it just feels like that time for me. Oklahoma's my national champion. What's the odds on them right now? Uh, you get them at, at about six to one. It's not bad, right? It's not bad no. for considering that everybody's betting Clemson, Alabama again to play in the national title game. Well, it, it's pretty funny because, uh, uh, you know, one of the things that I, I'm going to talk about uh, next week on my, my college football preview show is there's five teams that could win the championship. Five teams, Tim have odds of 7-1 or better. Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, and Ohio State, right? The sixth team, 33-1 to one odds. So there's five teams that could win a championship this year. That's it. Who's 33-1? to one? Texas A&M. Oh, yeah. No, I don't. I, that's, that's great odds. I just don't see them getting there. But. No. So it's going to be Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State. Uh, you know, this is this year's your four. Alabama, Clemson, uh, Oklahoma. Well, it'll be... Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and then whoever wins the SEC, Alabama, or Georgia. So I'll get your picks to win the, the conferences via the text or email, and then I'll, I'll read them out next, well, next Sunday. But Tim, Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Ohio State. <laughs> there, yeah, there you go. <laughs> what, so if I have Rattler to win the Heisman, who do you have to win the Heisman? You know, I, I'm, I, I'm having really gone crazy with it this year. I, I feel like I feel like I, I everybody wants Sam Howell to win. Yeah. And I feel like I'm getting influence there. Um he he might be the guy for me. I, I don't think here's my problem. It's weird because I think that he has a very a very good chance to win it. I think he's gonna have a phenomenal year. But I'm just not buying the fact that North Carolina is going to be a contender. And I think I have to pick somebody that, that is a contender, you know? So it starts to get a little interesting for me. Howell, 16 to 1 odds. I threw a couple of bucks on him, you know? Uh, Rattler, look, he's your favorite. It makes sense. JT Daniels 
might be the guy. And here's the thing. Georgia all weary. We're used to Georgia always kind of coming up flat. If Georgia can oust Alabama this year, it's going to be because Alabama's taking a step back. I told you they're replacing a lot. But JT Daniels would be the guy. And if you're talking about regular season numbers, Howell can be that guy regular season. You know, he can have the, these ridiculous numbers. I think Howell's going to have the best numbers out there. But if you're talking about a guy that can actually move the needle, Daniels makes a lot of sense because if he upsets Alabama, you know he's going to be in front of everyone's television screen. And that's the thing about the SEC. We all, as much as we look at it, JT Daniels is a guy that he's going to be in big games, and if he does what he has to do and Georgia goes undefeated and they beat Alabama, Daniels will probably win it. So I, I put money on Howell, but Daniels makes a lot of sense to me. Well, Tommy, we're going to get out of here. We ate up the break earlier, so let everybody know about the website. Let everybody know about what you got on tap for the podcast. And, of course, have a great few weeks off, Tom. We're going to be back early September to talk about the NFL. Absolutely, guys. Go check it out. It's Wagering Week is the podcast. Hashtag SGN. It's Wagering Week. Uh, next week, we are doing our college football preview. I'm going to give you all my college football bets, best bets, everything else. Uh, the week after that, fantasy football preview. So even though I'm off, I'm still recording those. So we're going to be talking big-time fantasy football. That's on the Wagering Podcast and Wagering Week Podcast. Also, go check out TomBartonSports.com. Perfect time to jump on board now and get every single game I select at TomBartonSports.com. Happy birthday, Timmy. Thank you, brother. Have a good night. Have a good one. For Tom Barton and for the returning Ari Platinum, it was a pleasure again to do business with you, sir. We will talk to you next Sunday night, off Saturday due to the Raiders game, but back Sunday night, more college football previews. We'll talk to you then. It's Tim Unglesby and Heatwave Sports, Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. Have a great sports week. Good night.